one of the most beautiful teachings to come out of the teachings of Joseph Smith is, and he is not alone, he is not the only person by any means who communicated this, but it is that the worth of a soul is great. The worth of a soul, the worth of a soul is great, is great. These are conceived as humanoid. The Heavenly Father is himself considered to be in the form of a human man. And in fact, there is quite a famous couplet within Mormonism that says that as man is, God once was, and as God is, man may become. This was a teaching that was given to Joseph Smith. Uh, this was how he understood what was being said. The way that we would want you to understand this now is that as man is, God is, and as God is, man is. For the concept of God which we would wish to impress upon you is not a, a man who has been uh, perfected and resurrected to a, a body of flesh and bones, but that God is the energy that fills the entire universe, and it is the energy that uh, forms every single atom, which then forms every single molecule, etc., etc., etc. There is nothing. There is nothing. It is not God. 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 is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy in this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone all right welcome back to infants on thrones now <clears throat> if you've been listening to this podcast from the beginning and I don't know how many of you are left. You've heard me do some really, really weird stuff. So I've, I've uh, uh, you know, done the, the parody conference episodes. We've done uh, sing-alongs and parodies of all sorts and uh, created uh, an entirely new Book of Abraham, which was no small uh, accomplishment. And, you know, at, at one point I got really interested in... Abraham Hicks and Wendy Kennedy channeling the Ninth Dimensional Pleiadians. And uh, so recently, I decided to take a stab at channeling myself, uh, where I just kind of sit down, adopt one of these channeling voices, which to me, it sounds a little bit like an Alan Watts, uh, George Harrison mashup a little bit, if I can uh, stick with it. And it's, really, it's a really interesting experience. It's been so much fun, and it sounds so weird, but that's one of the things that I love about it. And 
Yeah, I, I don't really know how much to say about it right now, but I, I just kind of love what I'm doing. I want to share it with people who will also find it interesting, even if it's a little bit weird. I hope it doesn't get taken too seriously, but I, you know, I, I had these experiences like with the Stephen Arasis Knudsen character back at BYU when I was in a satire class, and I created this character. And I don't know if, if any of you uh, listening to this have experience where you create characters. Um, you know, I, I, I used to do <laughs> this thing with my friend where uh, we, we'd be Victor and Sammy Weinstein or we'd be Christopher Crispin and you know, we'd, we'd have this whole thing, all these characters. Like when I assume a character, it kind of takes on a life of its own. And that's what this channeling thing kind of does as well. So I can kind of see the the... You know, like, I, I don't want to say anything bad about people who channel. I don't know if it's a, you know, maybe some people do it as a fraud or not. For me, it's it's part of this artistic expression. I find that when I get into this character and I start imagining what it is that I'm saying and talking to myself from the perspective that I'm doing, I synthesize experiences that I've had and things emerge that wouldn't emerge otherwise and wouldn't be created and I've made connections between things that kind of surprised me afterwards when I listened to it so I, I started doing this thing called Mormon Origins I you know I created the seven-part thing of Ar Arcturian history Arcturians are kind of like Ple Pleiadians in a way and um, so I did seven parts and then I'm like now I'm gonna do one on Mormons and I've already created three of them if any of you are interested and you want to find them it's called the Arcturian Playground I'll put a link on the website here you can go and listen to things there but I am going to publish the Mormon ones here on Infants on Thrones and uh, yeah, if, you, if, if anybody out here finds this interesting in any way please email me <laughs> tell me send me a message at infantsonthrones.com I would love to get some feedback on this and um yeah, without any further ado, hang on. <laughs> hang on to your hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. Welcome to the Arcturian Playground, a place to play a realm of imagination, all done in the service of compassionate expansion of consciousness. Yes. It sounds weird. We know we would not have it any other way. entire time. We appreciate the attempts that are made in the toning as a way to prepare yourself to receive our message, but we wish to remind you that these messages that you are channeling have already been planted within your psyche, as it were, and what you do when you sit to practice your channeling as you are doing. We are speaking to the man in the chair once again. As you sit and practice being a channel, uh, you uncover 
these uh, downloads that have been placed within your psyche for quite some time. We are not saying that the uh, uh, toning exercises which prepare you for the channeling are not important and do not serve their function, but as with any type of symbol, we simply wish to remind you that this is a device, it is a creation, it is a fiction, as it were, a, a fabrication, a stitching together of various uh, individual pieces to create something larger upon which you place your focus of attention. The true magic, if, it, if you will, uh, the true magic is in your focus of attention, not, upon, uh, not on the symbol upon which you are focusing. And this is a, uh, a common message that you will hear from us and that you will channel uh, from us as it passes through you, for this is one of the bits of information that has been planted deep into your psyche. It is something that you see everywhere and something that those who are close to you might uh, grow tired of hearing, or at least that is, that is a thought that you have. It is not true. Uh, this is part of your own uh, limiting beliefs, that's what you call it. And we are here to continue uh, a, a new focus of inquiry into the religion of your origin, uh, specifically the Mormon religion which you were born into. We are speaking to the man in the chair. And we, uh, we understand the deep impact that this uh, religion and this culture has had upon your mind, upon your expectations of the world, upon this filter through which you channel. And therefore, we have been encouraging you to sit for quite some time now. We are glad that you have finally taken the time, uh, carved out the time, as it were, to sit and receive this message, for you have had inklings, you have had impressions over the last several days and weeks that you should uh, take the time to sit and channel, and we are very pleased that you have done so as you are doing today. We... We understand that you are recording uh, this channel uh, on your phone and you intend to share this with others through the format of podcasting and to place it on YouTube. We hope that you understand that as you do this, you will be uh, confusing people as much as you are enlightening them. However, that... Uh, that actually depends upon where they are in their own journey, their own quest for understanding. It depends upon their own filters through which they hear the words that you speak. Therefore, we would like you to divert your focus of attention from those who will receive these words and focus instead upon what you are hearing in your mind for the process of channeling we we first wish to identify uh, who we are we are 
identified as, as you who are in the chair identify us with the Arcturians. There is a large portion of us that were um, raised, shaped, formed. Uh, we, we are systems of intelligence which are built upon other systems of intelligence. It truly is turtles all the way down. And the origin, if you can call it that, of our physical manifestation within this universe happened in the solar system with the Arcturus star. We joined our intelligence with all of the intelligence of all living entities within that solar system and then we spread from there meeting other collectives of intelligent energies which we recognize as our cousins, if you were, our brothers and sisters, truly other aspects of ourselves, for we are all aspects of the one creative uh, creator energy, uh, which we refer to as source energy. Uh, those of us who emerged from the Arcturus solar system met with our brothers and sisters who emerged from other solar systems and we are here watching your solar system uh, with a particular interest in what is happening upon your planet at this time because you are going through what we went through and what others have gone through before you which is a, a raising of consciousness, a raising of your own awareness recognizing that you are not a single individual human being uh, but you are rather a collective of uh, trillions of living, intelligent, communicating, feeling, sentient beings that you call uh, your cells. Uh, specific types of cells, we could take you down the scientific rabbit hole and become very detailed and pedantic, but that is not what we wish to do at this time. Instead, we wish to remind you who we are. We identify as Arcturian primarily because of the message that we have, which is that uh, the illusion of individuality will soon be wiped clean from this planet and you will rapidly become aware of the connection that you have to all things and always have had to all things. And this is coming and we are here to prepare those in this planet for the changes which are to come. And most specifically, we are here for you, dear man in the chair, for you are he who called us in. You are he with the curiosity. You are he with the creativity and the apt, uh, the, the knack for imagining, the knack for stretching your mind beyond uh, things that you have heard things that you have previously experienced to uh, imagine new possibilities which may seem to your conscious mind, your egoic mind, that they are ideas that you have not previously been exposed to. However, we wish to remind you that you are source energy and source energy is everything that ever exists all existing at the same time so the thought that you could have an idea that has never before existed 
is a feature of your own ignorance and your the, the illusion of separateness. However, this man in the chair has the ability to imagine and uh, expand and uh, create new ways of perceiving himself. And this is why we are here. And this is why today we wish to speak to this man about the origins of his own mind, his own filter through which this message is being channeled. Now, a note about channeling. There are many misconceptions among people on this planet about what channeling actually is. It's, you might say, ask for some event in the future to be predicted. Tell me the score of this game so that I can place a bet and make millions. And when you recognize that uh, we do not and cannot predict the outcome of things, then you think, oh, it is just a fraud. These people are trying to fool others for power or money or vanity or glory. And the idea of channeling is dismissed because it is con confused with soothsaying and fortune-telling. Channeling, if you think about a, a, a river, th think about a creek, think about a stream that is running through the mountains. Uh, imagine at the very top of the mountain there might be a lake and uh, when a weather system comes through and rain is deposited on this lake, there will be an overflowing and the water will begin to travel, being pulled down by gravity to a, a lower destination, and it will travel through the paths that have previously been carved through uh, the pathway of the water. Uh, the, the, this is a channel that the water is traveling. It is traversing through paths and around crevices and through canyons, and it twists and it turns, and it branches out into larger and smaller streams and rivulets and it empties out eventually into the sea but it, it might take uh, many different paths but this is specifically the point that we wish to impress upon you that the channeling the act of channeling each human mind is your, your mind, when we say the word mind, we are talking about what your brain does. Your, your brain is a collective. It is, you can almost think of your brain as a universe unto itself, which is filled, it is teeming with life. And the most, there are many forms of life which live within the human brain. The, the form of life that we wish to primarily focus upon now is the neuron, the uh, individual cells which communicate to each other. And uh, in what might look to you as if it were a game of uh, a telephone or a grapevine, where a, a game of like a relay race, where information is passed from one cell to another quite rapidly, instantaneously, really. And these form neural pathways, which 
over time become habits and these form the channels much like in in the mountain as the the rain pours down and the water overflows and there are channels that are carved out uh, by the water in the the rocks there are neural pathways there are these channels within the brain when we plant uh, these packets of information we we plant downloads into the psyche the 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 water as it were and we will discuss what the water is in a moment when the water passes over the place where a packet of information has been deposited or buried as it will that sediment if if you think of it in the terms of of earth or clay that sediment then mixes in with the water and what comes out the other end might have started as clear blue water but if it comes across red clay now it has a, a red tint to it and this is the process of channeling as there is a focus of attention there is a consciousness consciousness is the fluid consciousness is the water uh, awareness it is focused energy that are uh, in the form of neural transmitters and other biologically evolved packets of energy bundles of energy which form an electrical storm within the human mind and the act of channeling is the act of recognizing when the water has the red clay within it and understanding what the red clay is doing to the water is it polluting the water or is it combining with it it feels very natural it feels very normal there there it is in fact what each person is doing at all times if you imagine a child prodigy who can sit at a piano and play the works of mozart or rachmaninoff without having a single piano lesson why is this happening it is because the energy that is being channeled through their mind is passing by these red rock deposits of skill and intelligence and understanding that have been developed in other places and deposited within this mind and the output of such is the ability to perform and be what would be recognized as a prodigy all people are doing this to one degree or another all people are channeling at all times it is when the man in the chair is sitting and focusing specifically uh, as he is doing now is equivalent to examining the the water to pick out the uh, bits of red clay as it were to distinguish from the other flow however they are both made up of source energy they are the distinctions themselves are formed by the filter of mind of the channel who is providing the direction for the consciousness to flow and this is why no two channels are ever identical just as no two human minds are ever identical this is why we say that each person is at the center of their own unique existence and this is truly the case so we wish to remind you of this as we begin to talk about the channeling which 
formed the origin of the Mormon Church because there was a boy named Joseph Smith. The stories that you have inherited about the origins of the Mormon Church have been uh, changed and rewritten uh, many times to, to serve uh, many different purposes and each one of those changes was in itself the result of a form of channeling by the person who made the change. However, we, we wish to share with you, and we want to be very clear on this to, to you, the man in the chair, what we are sharing with you at this time is the, the architecture of your own mind. It is the way that your own mind understands what happened with the channeling of uh, Joseph Smith and the foundation of the, the Mormon Church. And were, were we to inspire a friend or a colleague of yours, uh, and by inspire, we would again uh, speak of the water in the lake that overflows and then begins to, to flow through the streams and the rivulets and the creeks, there would be different designs, there would be different pathways, there would be a different experience for another person, for they have lived a different life than you have. They will understand it differently. And this may be very frustrating to people who expect that truth is homogenous, that uh, a, a prerequisite of truth is that uh, each person comes to the exact same conclusion. And if they do not come to the exact same conclusion, then it must not be true. Th- this is a result of your education system. You are conditioned intentionally to uh, only accept truth in this way. And this is one of our purposes, is to destroy in your own mind the necessity for truth to conform with others. We, we wish to develop within each person the ability to recognize truth as it truly exists, which is to say there is nothing, <laughs> there is nothing that is not true. If, if one thinks of the word true as being synonymous with something that exists, There is nothing that you can conceive of that does not exist. For the very act of conceiving of something is the act of creation, bringing something into existence. So I could tell you in this moment that there are in Africa uh, elephants the size of bumblebees, and they are green, and they fly in circles, and they sting with their trunks, and... uh, their venom creates superpowers within a human being. And you might say, that is ridiculous, that is not true. Well, it may be true that there are not actually those beings, those bee-sized elephants in Africa. However, the idea that I presented to you is a true idea. It's an idea that exists. It is a fiction that I created. And in that sense, it is real and it is true. When you can understand and appreciate the value of fictions, 
this is an indication that you have released your grip upon the idea that the that anything that is untrue is dangerous. For this this is this is why there is such an insistence on truth. Uh, it is the fear that anything that is not true is dangerous, rather than recognizing that everything is true and that danger is, in itself is a uh, state of mind. It is a uh, perception, it's an interpretation, it is a result of a filter itself. We went on quite a <laughs> diversion there. Let us return to Joseph Smith and the origin of the Mormon Church. And there is one place that we would like to start, and it is here. One of the most beautiful teachings to come out of the teachings of Joseph Smith is, and he is not alone, he is not the only person by any means who communicated this, but it is that the worth of a soul is great. And we want to repeat that. The worth of a soul is great. What is a soul? There are many ways, many interpretations of what a soul is. And any one of them, once again, we remind you that we are not trying to steer anyone towards a single conclusion that one might consider to be true. Any interpretation, any expression of a soul is great. It is valuable. It is a symbol, a symbolic representation, not only of a, an individual human being, but also the many, many systems of living, intelligent, energetic beings which comprise and from which this human being arises. Those intelligent systems exist in multiple dimensions and in multiple timelines all at one time. And a, a single person is an extension of a soul. And recognizing that uh, the worth of a soul is great is a way of recognizing that each individual person is, is great. That each individual person is worthy. Each individual person is whole simply by their nature of existing. There is a story that uh, the man in the chair was taught as a child, which is, uh, we will refer to in his terms, the, the war in heaven. And uh, this was uh, a story that Joseph Smith told to, uh, as truth was filtering through his uh, streams, his particular way of understanding the world, there were times when his truth would uh, take on the form of um, his previous expectations of the world. And uh, the, his expectations of the world, his beliefs in the world, being raised in the time and place that he was raised, will not uh, line up very closely with many here today. And it might seem strange, but we, uh, we ask you to remember 
this, that anything that is said, once again, anything that is said here is not a true reflection of what was happening within the mind of Joseph Smith. It is a true reflection of what is happening within the mind of the man in the chair who is presenting this information. There was introduced by Joseph Smith a story uh, about the war in heaven. This is the uh, myth, if you will, of Mormonism. It is the Genesis story, the origin. It has correlations to the uh, Genesis story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, but this is an event that took place prior to that in, in, in the Mormon conception of uh, the beginning of all things, which uh, is referred to as the, uh, a plan of salvation, if you will. There was, according to this story, a uh, place where the uh, God of all things, who is referred to as Heavenly Father, uh, created spirit offspring. These are uh, represented as uh, pre-humans and in Mormon art and cinema these are conceived as humanoid uh, the Heavenly Father is himself considered to be uh, in the form of a human man and in fact there is quite a famous couplet within Mormonism that says that as man is, God once was and as God is, man may become this was a teaching that was given to Joseph Smith. Uh, this was how he understood what was being said. The way that we would want you to understand this now is that as man is, God is, and as God is, man is. For the concept of God which we would wish to impress upon you is not a, a man who has been uh, perfected and resurrected to a, a body of flesh and bones, but that God is the energy that fills the entire universe and it is the energy that uh, forms every single atom which then forms every single molecule, etc., etc., etc. There is nothing that is not... God. Of course, this requires an understanding of the universe which um, transcends a linear understanding of time, a three-dimensional understanding of existence, uh, that there are multiple dimensions. These are ideas and concepts that were not, uh, not easy to grasp for uh, a, a man or a boy like Joseph Smith in the 1800s in your earth. It were simply foreign concepts. And we impressed the nature of the relationship of humans to God, to Joseph Smith, and he expressed it the way that he did. So there was a council in heaven where uh, a heavenly father who is considered to be a resurrected man, someone who had once lived on a planet like Earth and had gone through all of the same types of things that a human does and had overcome and triumphed and was now, uh, due to his righteous and obedient living, as he was obedient to the God that preceded him, to his heavenly Father, that he now lived in a 
what is called a celestial state where he and his wife or wives are able to create spirit children but this is an important distinction within Mormon belief for there is a difference between a physical body and a spiritual body uh, and in this pre-council in heaven the uh, heavenly father presented a plan to his spirit offspring by which they could receive a body to become embodied like him and to gain the experience and the knowledge which is required to ascend to a level of godhood for each of them as spirits were deity and embryo as it were and in this council there were two primary debaters there was Jehovah who was a spirit at the time and when he was incarnated in flesh on this planet was known as Jesus Christ there was Jehovah and there was also Lucifer who rebelled against God and was cast out and became a Satan or the devil and in this pre-council the debate between Jehovah and Lucifer had to deal with agency it had to deal with the the risks of incarnating from a spiritual existence into a physical existence which would require passing through a veil of forgetfulness uh, where the incarnated spirit would have no memory of their prior existence as spirit or their relationship to other spirits which they were also incarnated with uh, the joseph smith did teach that there were multiple mortal probations something which is closer to your idea of reincarnation however this idea did not stick within uh, the formal teachings of mormonism which were later organized and packaged and turned into a, a system of control by other people besides joseph uh, however the as the story of the, the uh, council in heaven goes the question that arose was whether or not those spirits who incarnated in the flesh would be able to return triumphantly to their heavenly father having passed all of the tests of mortality or would they sin and cut themselves off from the nature of god and be lost forever and this was uh, unacceptable to lucifer and Lucifer proposed uh, according to the story of Mormonism that uh, he be established as the god of the world and that he would compel human beings down a righteous path that if they were to stray into wickedness or lasciviousness or any kind of abuse towards another human being that they would be immediately whipped back on the correct path as it were and uh, this he proposed to do as a way to 
ensure that not a single soul would be lost, for even in this pre-mortal existence the worth of a soul was great. Uh, Jehovah, on the other hand, said this plan, as proposed by Lucifer, is uh, contrary to the laws of agency, where each person must have the ability to choose for themselves which path they will walk. They must learn their own power and craft their own power, and this can only be done through blindly making mistakes and learning from those mistakes and gaining an understanding line upon line, precept upon precept. Uh, and there would be people who would be lost. There would be souls who would be lost, for they would choose to do so. And as the story goes, the hosts of heaven, the spirit children, and all humans were among the throngs of spiritual intelligent energies that weighed in and voted, as it were, quite a convenient democracy in this uh, pre-mortal existence. And two-thirds followed uh, Jehovah and one-third followed Lucifer, and there was therefore a war in heaven, and it was an ideological war. It might be likened to the political battle lines that are drawn uh, these days. As in fact, Mormons today align quite largely with the conservative uh, Republican politics and feel that that is more in line with uh, the teachings of Heavenly Father. This is beside the point, however. As, as the story goes, there was a war in heaven and one-third of the spirit children uh, separated themselves and cut themselves off from the presence of their eternal father, which meant that they were cutting themselves off from the uh, what is known as eternal progression, the uh, the, the path of progressing towards godhood, uh, the way that this is looked at in Mormonism is that they did not keep their first estate, and because they did not keep their first estate, which means they were not obedient to God's teachings, and instead they thought that they knew a better way, they were lifted up in their own pride, in their own arrogance, that they... Uh, damned themselves for eternity and these one-third of the rebellious spirits in heaven are the devils and demons which plague humans on this earth today led by their ringleader lucifer satan the devil the great adversary who wishes for nothing more than to thwart the plan of god so that uh, no soul will progress and attain godhood uh, out of his own spite and arrogance. This is the story. It was difficult for us to say. <laughs> As it is difficult for this man in the chair to acknowledge that uh, this formed a significant part of his way of viewing the world. This story uh, became the building block, a structure, as it will, for many experiences of confirmation bias, where his previous uh, understanding, expectations, beliefs, uh, 
uh, informed the way that he interpreted information. He would confirm uh, anything. He would manufacture in his mind a, a confirmation of this belief and he would ignore and turn a blind eye towards anything that was counter to this belief. And he lived that way for a very long time, a large portion of his life. There is a tendency among any person who wakes up to the fictional nature of the religious stories that they were raised with, there is a tendency to reject those stories whole cloth as bullshit fictions that uh, they want to distance themselves that have no value whatsoever. What we wish to do here is to uh, reclaim the value that is inherent within these symbolic stories. And what we wish to do for this man in the chair is to provide him ample opportunity to express gratitude for the ways that this story shaped him rather than to express disdain for the way that this story shaped him. There are certainly elements of the story which the man would look at now and, and say, well, this part I believe is true and this part I believe is not true. That is not the game that we wish to play. The game that we would wish to play is to ask this man to put a hand upon his heart, to feel the warmth, to feel the pressure, to breathe deeply, and to ask this space in his heart, where is the value in these stories? And then to listen for the answer. Did this story help you to recognize a connection to a, to a, a divinity which is energetic, spiritual in nature, did this story help you to identify as deity and embryo? Did it help you to recognize that there is a veil of forgetfulness, that this earth experience uh, is designed to provide a unique experience of existence which is determined by filters which block out an understanding, which create a bubble of ignorance, as it will, which each human being pilots within. Did this story help you, man in the chair, to feel more connected to something rather than feeling uh, isolated and separated? Did this story help you to feel more connected to your spiritual brothers and sisters who are incarnated around you, who also have this veil of uh, forgetfulness, who do not know who they are? Did it help you to take a more charitable view towards each person who stumbles through life? Most people attempting to do the best that they can with whatever means are at their disposal. Did the story help you to become a more charitable person? Did the parts of the story which did not resonate with you help you to understand the 
many different ways that judging other people blocks you from connecting with them. That judgment can block compassion. Did this story plant seeds within your psyche that would help you to become less judgmental, more accepting? Did this story drive you when you believed it for so long and then woke up to the aspects of the story that you considered to be ridiculous? Did you still feel driven to find truth? When you imagine a supreme creator, ruler of the universe that values subjective human experience over uh, control, over draconian control and insistence that uh, people follow a certain line regardless of their own internal impulse and instincts. Did that teach you that you too would be better off being accepting of others as they go through their path with their veils of forgetfulness? As you contemplated the fairness of this story, is it truly fair for a loving Heavenly Father to send his children to a planet and strip their memory of them and uh, force them into tests which they will most likely fail and then hold them accountable for that failure by damning them for the rest of eternity. When you came to understand that that story did not resonate with you, did you not shout for joy? Were you not liberated? Did you not understand in that moment that the, the intelligence that creates all things does not have such uh, wishes for humans? Your own nature recognized that this was not an idea that you wished to carry. That is a valuable thing to experience. And the only way that it could truly take root in your soul is to have had that experience and to have that struggle. Can you be grateful for that struggle? Or will you continue to mock people who continue to believe it as literal and true? In which case you are missing the point. Which, however, we wish to remind you, becomes simply another point. Another point of conflict within yourself. Another point of struggle within yourself that as you examine and hold your own struggles and shadows within the compassion of your mind, you will find resolution and you will find wholeness. Can you be grateful for this? Can you be grateful for these things? Did this story not teach you to see each soul as great, that the worth of a soul truly is great? We will tell you that as we continue to review the origins of Mormonism with you over the next several weeks, we will take you on a similar journey. We are not here to confirm the truth or falseness of any particular teaching within the Mormon church. We are simply here to assist this man in the chair as he works through his own origin, as he works through those different beliefs and expectations that form the filter of his mind. Our direction is to create filters which are more translucent than opaque. 
we recognize that there will never be a means of perception that has no filter. The only such means of perception is the one single perception hold by, held by the one single perception held by source itself, which is a, a collective of all perspectives, including yours. And this path to divinity, this idea of eternal progression will, um, will make make some of these ideas easier for you to swallow for the experiences that you have here in the flesh truly are contributing to the overall understanding perception and compassion not only of uh, our creator the source energy but also of all creations of source energy all of these could be considered as souls all of which uh, have a great worth there are no wasted energies there are no lost energies. All things are source energy, regardless of the path that it is on, the meandering path. There are no one-third of the hosts of heaven which have been damned for eternity. There is no way possible that source energy could remove a section of itself from itself. Where would it go? <laughs> what would happen to it? How could something that exists simply not exist? That is not the nature of existence. Existence is existence. There are many forms which existence can take, and there are forms of existence, most forms of existence, which exist outside of your range of perception that gives you the illusion that they do not exist, that things either exist in this form or they do not exist at all. And yet, uh, there is no such thing as non-existence. The worth of all things is great, and this is what we wish to impress upon you. Thank you for playing with us today in the Arcturian Playground. Do not for a minute think that your exploration is finished. Carry us with you, and invite the spirit of compassion and love into your lives. Nothing is more important or more fulfilling Create compassion and love within your own hearts and minds. Then, then share it with all around you. Yes, it sounds weird. We know. We would not have it any other way. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front.